Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Indeed. <laughs> What's up, Kyle? Uh, the sky, airplanes. You got me. Tall trees. You got me on that one. Yeah. You got me on that one in the first grade, and you got me on it again <laughs> 30 years later. It, <laughs> uh, What's up, man? I missed you. Not much. You know, just hanging out. You know, living life. It's warm. It's beautiful out. Oh, it's so Leaves great. on the trees. So great. It is. It's beautiful. Especially here in Cleveland. I mean, in Ohio in particular, uh, spring is precarious. You could use that mm. word. It's like, it, it's, you know, when we were kids and... Uh, we would pick on each other, and we'd play this game called Psych. Yeah. We pull one over on you, yeah. and then we laugh at you. We say Psych, and we laugh at you. That's what spring does to Ohioans, you know, for three months. Pretty much. It's like it's summer. No, it's not. It's winter still. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's getting warmer. It's getting warmer. As a person who has worked still. outside for a large, you know, portion of my working life, yeah, for sure, man. It sucks. But although right now it's good, you know. That's the thing. We're over the hump now. Yeah, and so I know there's no more snaps of winter left, and I brought I I pulled out the patio furniture, you know, mm-hmm. it's been in the garage up till now, and I pulled it on out because it's time to be outside, man. Get all the dust and spider webs off of it. All the dust and spider webs, just in time for them to be covered by pollen and helicopters from the yeah. trees. What what do they call those things? I call them helicopters. Helicopters. helicopters that's helicopters. what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you're uh, now you're sniffling and sneezing. You just oh, can't fucking win, man. I can't There's win. There's always something. I'm a sickly creature. I, it's uh, surprising to me. I, I managed to procreate. You know, it's like yeah. I'm surprised uh, you don't have AIDS. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Evolution should have should have <laughs> weeded me out. Should have weeded me out for sure. Uh, speaking of AIDS, did oh you, god. So I, I remember seeing some stuff um, not all that long ago, um, but it, during like more of the heat of the COVID thing. And I remember, oh God, I just can't remember where I saw it, but it says something about how people who got the vaccine were testing positive for HIV. Oh, God. Do you remember hearing that? No. So I remember hearing that, and I thought, oh, that's weird. Then I saw something on Twitter that was definitely weird, but it was some crazy guy talking about how they sound like a doctor, like it sounded sound legit, but it's Twitter, so who knows? Maybe I've just been fooled. Uh, it's happened before. Um, but uh, he was talking about how people who got the, the COVID vaccine... Um, that w- the vaccine itself caused the um, the T cells to not work properly. It's mm-hmm. almost like it was it was keeping the natural immune system from working somehow. And he made some remark to it being like uh, like it all of the protections you have against cancer, like it just it just turned them off. Mm. And um, he was as he was explaining it, he was like, and it's acquired because you, you didn't have it before you got the vaccine. It's an immunodeficiency. Syndrome, and okay. then and then on, then on the video on Twitter, it's like 
AIDS. And then, and then, and then it was a, uh, and then it was immediately um, Team America. Everyone has AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what uh, if there's anything to it, but it's really fucking interesting. And I, think I wonder there probably is. I wonder what the it. deal is. I just assume that every conspiracy theory I hear is true. Will you text Alex Jones and ask him if it's I true? have his number? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that probably is true on some level. <clears throat> you know. Well, I mean, it's, we all just got AIDS now. It stands to reason. It's like if you. Um, if you give your body exogenous testosterone, as Joe Rogan likes to talk about, um, then your body will stop producing its own, right? It's like, so if you're giving your body immune protection, might the immune system just say, all right, you got this. I'm taking a nap. Yeah. You know, that it could be. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, I don't know, man. Have to ask Bill Gates. He's the one who knows about all that stuff. Mm. The, the computer guy mm. who knows all this stuff about vaccines and shit. Yep. Yep. He's a shady character, that Bill Gates. Is he a shady character, or is he like the the greatest Renaissance man of all time? I think he's a shady character, personally. It's like Benjamin Franklin. You know, I hear that Benjamin Franklin was a real asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely heard he <clears throat> he was a bit of a a little bit of a ladies' man. Yeah, that for sure. Uh, like to the point where he's like inviting people to come into the like couples like a, a friend of his like needed a place to stay he invites them into his house and, and fucks their fuck wife, wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh i had a very good friend of mine names i won't be used here that uh tried to sleep with the girl that i lost my virginity to a very good friend of mine tried to do that and uh boy that that's quite the deception man i uh, didn't didn't go well for him you know yeah uh, didn't go well from it. He wasn't. Res- <laughs> she didn't respond well to it. Neither did I. Yeah. Neither did fucking I, Kyle. I bet. All right, we're not going to talk about that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, just, I had a feeling. I just, I just mouthed the name to him. So. <laughs> I, I, you didn't even have to. I was pretty sure I knew. And if um, any, and if any of my old friends are listening to this, one of them is guilty right now. He's like, oh shit, I did do that, didn't I? Yes, yes. you did, sir. You, you fucking dick. You think he listens? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I was able to tell him about it or not. Yeah. It's hard to, you know, you lose track of people. It's hard to get a hold of them. True that. I do still have a copy of uh, his uh, Spartacus season one on DVD somewhere. Oh, really? I borrowed from him like, you know, years and years ago. Spartacus. And I just moved to another city. Took his Spartacus with me. Mine now. So I guess that's payback, bitch. Yeah. All right. Um, Try to steal my woman. I'm going (laughs) to steal your Spartacus (laughs) in season one. Oh, boy. I'm pretty sure if you want to see Xena's boobs, uh, Warrior Princess, what's the actress's name? Doesn't matter. If you want to see him. Lucy Lawless, is that? Yeah, sounds like a porn star. It does sound like a porn mm. star, but I think that might be her name. Isn't there a Lawless porn star? There, there is, yeah. I don't know. They, they made a fucking documentary about her with, a, a, with Sa- Amanda Seyfried. I think it's Seyfried. got L's in it. The, the princess, the warrior princess, Xena. It's got L's in it. It must. It must. Uh, anyway, I was as I was saying uh, seven minutes ago when we got started here. I miss you, man. We didn't uh, we didn't get to get together last week because of uh, Mother's Day. I feel like it's been about three years since we did a uh, podcast two weeks consecutively. I know, I know. This <laughs> season two is off to a rocky start, yeah. and even even worse, man. My um, my episode for Wednesday, I got so busy the last couple weeks, like ridiculously busy. I didn't have time for shit, yeah. and I started preparing for my Wednesday episode, and uh, I never got anywhere. And so I, I eventually I squeezed it out, and I, it was Friday, and I thought to myself, "Do I publish it now to like two days late, or do I wait till next week and, and have this one already in the books?" But I made the I, I made the decision that was to doing the hard thing, Kyle. I went ahead and published it, 
And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to start from scratch and have to get one ready by Wednesday. So it's like crunch time. It's motivating to me. You know, there's no guarantees, but now I'm forced to start with nothing to come up with something by Wednesday. And that's a little game I like to play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you still, it, it came out on Friday. Yeah. I didn't even notice it. Yeah. Uh, came out on Friday. It's, um, it's the last days of a philosopher part two. So that's the, uh, Humphrey Davy stuff I've been doing, okay. uh, Sir Humphrey Davy. And he did the, the first episode was about his crazy psychedelic vision that he describes. That's unbelievable. That, have I not talked to you about this? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know if we want to jump into it now, but I'll just tell you that Humphrey Davy w- was a very respected scientist. It's a cool name. Sir Humphrey Davy, by the way. And I, re- I read this in Dr. Shirstead Hughes' book, um, uh, Modes of Sentience, where he had his chapter on Davy. He was, he, was, he was called the first scientific psychonaut. And he died in 1829. So he was, and he did. He did nitrous oxide and big doses like William James did. Yeah. And uh, that dentist, that Canadian dentist. Did we ever uh, talk about nitrous oxide on here? I don't know. Do you have any experience with yeah, it? Yeah, I did some nitrous back in the day. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, let me tell you about Humphrey Davy real quick, and then you can tell me your story, because I want to hear that. All right. And I want to know all the circumstances about that. How did you get a hold of it? Somebody was a dentist? It's, okay, we'll, we'll okay, talk about Okay, all right. So, so Humphrey Davy uh, was a scientist. He invented the Davy lamp, which is a, uh, which is, which is a miner's helmet. Oh. That, that, remember, in the 1800s, uh, it was so dangerous down there. And if you had a flame... And you go down there, and the gases from from under the ground creep into the tunnels. You could explode. You could kill everyone. So he invented a safety lamp, and that's kind of what he's remembered for. But he's way more significant than that. Um, he was a, one of these early chemists. He identified a bunch of um, uh, elements for the first time. He um, synthesized them. You know, he was a chemist, and uh, he was also the uh, the president of the Royal Society of England, which Sir Isaac Newton was, and. Um, it's a big deal. It's like the academic institute in, in Great Britain, the, and it's been around for a long time. Like Charles Darwin and all those people were members. Um, he was the president of it, and he was the one of only two academics, scientists, to ever be knighted, Isaac Newton being the only other one. Wow. That's the level of guy that, that we're talking about. And this guy, he experimented with nitrous oxide. He had a bunch of crazy, trippy experiences, and he definitely had... A vision, and he writes about it in this book called Consolations or the Last Days of a Philosopher. And it's literally the, his last days of his life. He was writing this book, and when he could no longer write it, his friends were writing it for him while he dictated it. Mm-hmm. So these are his dying words. Wow. And the story he tells is the craziest shit you have ever read. The story he tells is about going to, the, to see the Colosseum in Rome with his buddies when he was a younger man. And his buddies left, and he was there at night in the Colosseum, and he had this reverie, he had this vision that came upon him. And in this vision, he was taken up to outer space. He was shown all of the planets and the creatures that live on the planets, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and all this, on comets. And the creature that's carrying him through the solar system, showing him around, his tour guide, is a creature from the sun. And he he explains that... Human beings are one step in this infinite progress process of progress of the soul, and when you die, you you can get reborn on another planet. 
where you have greater potential for consciousness. And every, every planet has more and more sophisticated beings that are more closer to God somehow. Is Earth the baseline? Are we the least? No. Oh, okay. No. And he even says that the creatures that live on Mars and Mercury are less sophisticated than we are. Okay, good. I like that. <laughs> I didn't want us to be the least. So it's this crazy, it's this crazy image of reincarnation like a Buddhist would, would talk about. And the whole karma element's there, but it has to do with, it has to do with how, how fully you can exercise your consciousness. The ones who can more fully express their consciousness are higher beings, but they're not described like spirits. They're not described like ghosts or supernatural gods. They're described as flesh and blood creatures that live on a planet like ours, not so far distant from us. And it's the crazy, far, it's the crazy, <laughs> it's the craziest shit you ever read, man. Yeah, that so, sounds pretty crazy. So that was part one, and uh, part two I just I just released on Friday. Um, that leads me to nitrous oxide. I can't believe you've done it. I did it when I was in high school, about. dude. What and you fuck? can go get it. You can go get it easily at head shops. It, it's easy. You get them in little. Uh, it's like a little canister that you would put in, um, like an airsoft gun. Those have you've seen what I'm talking yeah, about? Little CO2 cartridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you go there. You get them there. You, you can't go in there. I don't. I mean, you ever heard of the term whippets? Yeah, yeah. That's that's it's nitrous, nitrous oxide. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So, how like what kind of experience did you have doing it? So what you do is you put you put the little <clears throat> nitrous oxide canister in this thing called a cracker, mm-hmm. and it's just like a a tube, and you put it in there, and you twist it closed, and that breaks the thing open. And you put a balloon over the top of the mm-hmm. cracker, and it fills the balloon up. The balloon's all like. Hangy and then blows up. Then you take the balloon off the cracker, you Mm. inhale it, and like you can, I guess you could just inhale it all, but generally, uh, what I would do is inhale it and then breathe it back in, and then inhale it and then breathe it, you know. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, And it's pretty crazy. Um, Back then, I didn't really know anything about psychedelics, so. I didn't really categorize it as that. Yeah. I honestly kind of just thought of it as like. Like mild brain damage. That's why you're, you know, because you're yeah. not breathing air. You're breathing nitrous oxide. So, I mean, it can't be good for you to do it and right. like was do it, tons. Was of it. it euphoric or was it like extremely euphoric? Really? Like was it vision visionary at all? Did you see anything weird? I don't remember seeing a whole lot, but I just remember it being more feelings. And I remember I was in my bedroom with one of my friends from high school, and we were listening to music and doing it. And I, you know, I was inhaling, exhaling, inhaling, exhaling. Then I just like, like collapsed onto my bed in just complete euphoria, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was music going on, like a guitar solo, and I could like, I don't know, man. I I, I do almost want to say that I could see the the guitar solo, mm-hmm. but I don't particularly remember what it looked like or even if I really did see it but it was just like I experienced the music in a completely different way that's interesting man that would be interesting to try I did it more than one I did it quite a few times I would do it again yeah I mean um, the thing about like the toxicity part is that Sir Humphrey Davy describes because he was a scientist right he was measuring how much nitrous he was he was consuming mm -hmm. so that he could determine what effects were associated with what dosages and all that because he was a scientist yeah so he did he did like what you described where he would uh he would inhale like certain regular quantities i don't know if they if what what they were stored in if it was in a balloon or what it was stored in but he would take in liters and he would say i I, he said i would uh excuse me 
allergies, man, that he would um, uh, breathe in um, a liter of it and uh, or however many liters of it. And he would get progressively more and see what changes would happen. And then towards the end, he built a chamber mm. that he could go in that was filled with, with the gas. And he stayed in there for like, I don't know, extended periods of time. Then when he got out of the chamber, he took more liters of it the, way, the old fashioned way, the way he used to do it. Yeah. And then he describes having these psychedelic experiences. He describes having experiences that are like that interconnectedness, one with the universe, connection and love, that the connectivity and love just comes through. And that's exactly, that's exactly what you would expect. Um, I don't remember him saying it was visionary either, though, now that I bring it up. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of shit he was doing. He had like a, a chamber. Like a, you, could, you, could Im- you could imagine walking into like a steam room or something. Mm-hmm. Just full of nitrous oxide, and he just sat there breathing it for an extended period of time. It's crazy. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I would definitely do it again. Um, I, I'm skeptical about how bad it really is for you if you do it, you know, on occasion. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have seen people who do a bunch of whippets. Yeah. And they don't seem like they're in good shape. Oh no. <laughs> How like Stevo, like Stevo used to do tons of them, and <clears throat> oh. I mean Stevo, I don't know. Stevo seems maybe a little bit like he's coming back to as normal as Stevo ever was. Um, but you know, you go back a couple years, and Stevo seemed fucking burn out, out. Of it, yeah, burn out, know? yeah, yeah. And uh, there's this one ICP gathering of the Juggalos documentary <laughs> yeah. about people who go to that gathering of the Juggalos, and people doing a bunch of whippets there, and they don't, they don't seem like the healthiest people. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I remember that documentary. It's Any, a good one. Anybody who hasn't seen that documentary needs to check it out. What's it called? Gathering? Gathering? I don't remember what it's called. It's on YouTube. Yeah, you can you find it. Google Juggalo documentary. Yeah, you'll find it. <laughs> it, it is very good. Oh, boy. Um, so I've got a serious question for you. Oh, okay. Maybe the most serious question that I've ever asked you. Oh, shit. Yeah. If you had to have sex with a Backstreet Boy, <laughs> which one would it be? Um, this is an easy question for me. Uh, a Backstreet Boy, it would be. Um, is, is it Howie? Is that it? Howie's that, the classic answer. Howie, yeah, be Howie. He seems like he has no hair on his butt, and I think that's what I would need. Yep, that's a that's a throwback. Yeah, that's a throwback. That's a question. That's a question that uh, as young, immature uh, children. Uh, very often, I would ask people as a means of gauging, as a means of gauging their personality. It just popped into my head the other day. I was like, "Man, remember when Chris used to ask people that all the time?" Yeah, yeah. Was, oh gosh, fucking Howie. Yeah, being, that that probably is the right answer. I don't know Aaron, which was it. Nick Carter. He was a pretty good looking guy. Yeah, but he's big, man. He's a man handle you. Yeah, he's, he's got, definitely got. He, he's a big blonde motherfucker. Yeah, he's, he's got, got some got, of that Viking. Mm-hmm, you know, he's got like big old hands, like a basketball player. No thanks. Yeah, his brother. Aaron Carter yeah. is like an OnlyFans guy. What? Yeah. No way. I swear to God. Didn't he have like a pop hit? Yeah, in the, yeah. In the... Now he like fucks people on the internet. Whoa. Yeah. I bet he makes lots of money. Probably. There's a lot of people who are, I mean, not huge celebrities, but like people who have podcasts and stuff like that. And you wouldn't necessarily assume that they're getting naked on the internet, but they are. They sure as hell are. That is weird. Do you know who Jason Ellis is? Oh, you asked me that once before because I told you I went to high school with a guy named Jason. Oh, Ellis. really? But no, no, I don't. I I can't remember. I can't recall. Jason Ellis is a cool guy. 
Uh, he's a professional skateboarder. Well, he was. I don't know. I guess I don't know if that's like a Marines thing where once you are, you always are. Mm-hmm. But um, professional skateboarder, just like kind of a uh, in there with a the jackass crew. Uh, then he also started a serious radio show, which is now a podcast. It's very popular. Uh, but yeah, he has an OnlyFans. Oh my god! He's also bisexual. So how, that's, oh my god! How how um, anonymous is it? Well, I mean, if you're Jason Ellis, it's not anonymous no, I, at I all. Mean, I mean, like, are there records of these video exchanges? Because I don't know what you mean. You go on OnlyFans and some girl twiddles her, diddles herself while you watch her do it on the webcam. Is there a recording of that? Yeah, I think so. Well, fuck, man. Of you watching? Of either of either one. I don't think... I mean, there probably is a recording of the people watching, but officially there's not. Um, Offi- but, officially there's not. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the people who... OnlyFans, the, the, they're being videos. That's the whole thing. It's not like live cam. Oh, I thought it was yeah. live. I, there might be that okay. feature, but a lot of it is, no, here's this video. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so super dangerous. If you... I mean, God, I don't know, man. It's like... Uh, if you... I guess if you're comfortable having that stuff, if you're comfortable having something like that um, put online, you know, under under whatever circumstances are required to make anybody able to see that anywhere, including your grandma, if you're comfortable with that, then more power to you, I guess. But I cannot understand. Like, there's some shit I would do if I knew I could get away with it, yeah. you know? But fuck that, man. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah, I think you got to be committed, you know? Oh, for sure. You gotta be. You think the money is good enough? I mean, it must be. It must oh, be, right? F- I mean, yes. I know for <laughs> a fact the money is good enough. You hear about some of the money these people are making, and it's insane. This is gonna sound. This is like this conservative curmudgeon part of me that's coming out as I get older. Um, but it's like if you can make insane amounts of money doing that, and you're hot as the surface of the sun, mm-hmm. and you're 19 years old, mm-hmm. you know, you, your brain is not developed fully. You don't have the capability of understanding the long-term consequences, but you understand the short-term benefits real well. And if they're that compelling, young people can make a lot of dumb decisions that will haunt them for the rest of their life. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. I personally am like, no, I don't I don't see myself. And if I had kids, I wouldn't want my kids to do that, exactly. you know? Yeah. Um, that being said, I do have mixed feelings about it because you say the short-term benefit, but if you can make... $10 million over the course of like five years, that's not short term. Like unless you're crazy impulsive and you blow it all. Yeah. But $10 million, that will take care of you for a long time yeah, if you're sure. not stupid. Yeah. It's like, are you, are you willing to, what's it worth to you? I guess that's the question, man. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think an 18 and 19 and 20 and 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 year old, all the way up to that. Those that range, I don't think you're capable of responsibly answering that question. I honestly don't, man. Yeah. And I th- again, that's probably the like the conservative curmudgeonly part. And there's lots of young people. If any of them are listening to this right now, that are saying, "I'm responsible. I can t- take care of myself. I can make my own decisions. I can masturbate on the yeah, internet. I can masturbate on the internet. You know. Um, and I get it. But once you get to this point in life, you look back and you think. I could have easily been duped into something like that, given the benefits of it in the short term, and maybe even in the long term. If it's $10 million, I can never have to work again. But might I regret it? And I think that there's obviously a possibility. It's just that's just like a conservative thing coming out of me because as I'm getting older, I think. Yeah. It's like there is the, if, 
it's no longer like is the risk worth the reward but now my like instinct is to say it's too risky <laughs> yeah i i think you know i i definitely have a conservative streak in me as well and i also have my you know libertarian streak yeah, exactly. uh so it's like part of me is like they should be able to and another part of me is like they should but they shouldn't do it you should be able to but you shouldn't actually do it yeah um but then, like, a part of me, there's, like, a confliction there. Like, you've got these kids, these, like, I, I guess they're not kids, but you know what I mean. They're young people. And, like you said, they're not fully developed. And I almost, it's like, these people who run these websites, are they, like, they're like vultures. Predatory. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's just like the porn industry. Yeah. You know, all those girls coming in, you know, they're, that's what, that's, that's their age group, you know. Mm -hmm. They're young. They're 18, 19, 20, in the, in the early 20s. Those people, most of them have disadvantages in their life that brought them to there to that mm -hmm. point some of that is naivety and not fully developed brains some of that might be low iqs and any and in any of those situations it's predatory for sure man yeah but i i have that libertarian part of me too that says they should be able to make that mistake they should be able to learn from it they should have the freedom to do what they want it's potentially a really big mistake though i mean yeah i know i but i don't want and i think you would agree i don't want the government to yeah. say you can't what i do want is responsible friends and family members to to be honest with that with that person who's who's considering it and mm -hmm. talking them the fuck out of it um but that's not easy to do man young people are stubborn mm -hmm. and dumb and that type of a thing it's like if you if you're a kid you know you're an 18 year old and you want to start an only fans uh, because you're hot and you could make some money. You might talk to your friends about that, but your friends are generally going to be closer to your age group and not have that that's wisdom, you know? True. And you're a lot less likely to go to your, your fucking mom and dad and be like, I'm thinking about, you know, yeah, that's, doing this on the internet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a question for the crazy aunt. Yeah, I guess. Everyone's got a crazy but aunt. But I mean, the crazy aunt's probably going to be a lot more in line with like the uh, the kids, you know? That crazy aunt's yeah, always a little, true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. off her rocker. Yeah, she is, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, well, hey. I don't, I don't really have a crazy aunt. All my aunts are pretty uh, vanilla, mm. which is good. Yeah, that is good. Good for them. <laughs> All right, so I got to say, I, I did mention at the beginning of uh, the episode I released on Friday... <clears throat> That we debuted the Two Tongues website. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I'm excited about it. It's pretty cool. But, like, the level of excitement I have about it is, like, appropriate for the year 1999 or 2000. Like, we've got a website, yeah. guys. Come check it out. Um, but now everybody has one. But the thing is, the Two Tongues has one now as well. The Two Tonguespodcast.com. If you guys go there, uh, I don't know how, if, how much Kyle has had a chance to review this one yet but a little bit i haven't haven't like really combed over it in depth but i've, I've looked over it a little bit well I'll tell you what i like about it <clears throat> it's got a link to uh the two tongues twitter and your Substack. Yeah. um it's got a picture of the podcast studio uh on the landing page so if you go to it you can see the place where kyle and i are sitting right now and all the art that's around us um you, you've got the uh the latest episodes that that run and then down below them you've got uh listener reviews and what? Yeah, listener reviews. And uh, this is cool, man. Check this out. So I didn't even know we had any listener reviews. Oh, we do. Cool, we man. Did, we just got two two more uh, over the weekend, I think. But anyway, Sweet. so you can check out the web, the, the web episodes, but you can also search them, which I thought was cool because, like, 
I'll be going on there looking for like maps of meaning because I did six of them, mm-hmm. and uh, but I did them over a long stretched period of time with other episodes in between. So trying to find them is difficult, but now I can just search for them. That is cool. This is a feature I thought was cool, man. It wasn't my suggestion, but I want to know what you think about it. We put a gallery on here, and this is a lot of the images of shit that we've talked about on the podcast oh, before, cool. and it's just like a collage of them. So let me show you what I mean. Collagescope. Yeah, we got pictures of the studio. We got the the pictures of like the the images that sound makes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, um, yeah. We've got uh, all these therianthrope images and uh, cave paintings, fractals. There's there's Sir Humphrey Davy. There's uh, Alfred North Whitehead. There's Spinoza at the bottom here. We've got the picture of Psyche and Pan and Psyche from the door. Yeah. Um, all these fractals from nature, Spinoza. So I just thought it was cool, man. Like a lot of these things that we've talked about, uh, there's just a collage of them now on the uh, on the website, so people can go and and look at them. Can you upload more? Fuck yeah! Nice, dude. Yeah, man. Um, and you know, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna plug this. Fuck yeah! Uh, we're not selling anything yet, obviously, as we, we're not you know we're not quite there yet. But uh, but we added a, a donations link to the website, so you guys can go and, uh, and give us all your money if you feel so inclined. Hit up that cash app. There's also a contact tab, which allows people to message us, which I thought was cool because if somebody wants to be a guest or, a f- you know, whatever, they, they want to reach out to us for one reason or another. Ask we- advice about starting an OnlyFans. <laughs> Hit us up. If you're thinking about starting an OnlyFans, send us a message. Yeah, that's we'll pretty We'll probably much- encourage you to do it. That's pretty much it, man. Um, pretty much it. Cool, man. About... I wrote, I wrote this little this little piece, but uh, anyway, point is, what do you think, man? What do you think of the podcast? I think it's, what do I think about the podcast? I mean, the website. <laughs> I, think it's exci- I, mean, I think it's all pretty cool. Uh, the website is exciting, though. It's uh, It feels <laughs> official, you know? That's, that's how it feels, yeah. It does, absolutely. You gotta, now, if people start donating to the Cash App, that's going to feel real official. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see We'll see what happens. Fingers but, uh, crossed. Yeah, it's like, you know, we've been doing this podcast for over a year and it's it's all been nothing but expenses you know it's not nothing but expenses so and that's fine and that's kind of what we expected but uh you know it is what it is so we'll see cool man cool it's exciting it feels that way man i i you know it's like when we built the studio that was like a step we went from the we ba- didn't do it no we paid a guy. that would be cool if we did do it paid though. a guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to be on a fold-out table with way worse mics. Right next to the furnace. With, right next to the furnace with the dogs barking. And uh, then we built the studio, and we, that felt cool. Started putting art in it. Yep. Yeah. And your brother got us those stickers with a podcast logo, and we thought, oh, shit, we got merch. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, we could put, we could sell you some stickers. <laughs> we'll sell you a fucking sticker. Yeah. And if you're in the Cleveland area, I'll bring it to you. Fuck yeah. No mail needed. <laughs> Anyway, now we got the website. Pretty goddamn cool, man. Yeah, it is cool. Feels that way to me. Yep. I don't know why. What did you just say that made me think it was like a good segue into something that I was going to talk? Oh, the stickers. Yeah, the stickers. So uh, I stopped. You see, I've got this here Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yep. Uh, I stopped at the one. It's in the city south of here. Um, And I was in line and I had a sticker like peeled and ready to stick on, you know, doing a little (laughs) gorilla advertising. Yeah. Um, but when I pulled up to the window, I was going to stick it like right on the window thing. Yeah. Uh, when I got up to the window, the lady, you know, I, I thought she was going to take my card and like ring it up and yeah. then I'd have a minute to stick it on there. When I got up there, the person at the register was like the person in front of you paid for your, your order. Uh. <laughs> so I was like, it just ruined it. But you know, that, yeah, but that was very nice. Very sweet, man. Yeah. I know. I kind of felt obligated to like pay it forward and get the person behind yeah. me, but I was like, I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No. 
It's what fun. if they ordered like 50 donuts and 10 coffees? I'm not, you know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not yeah. made of money. I'm not liquid. <laughs> I'm not liquid. Um, so, yeah, that happened to me um, like in 2006 or seven at a McDonald's. And it happened at a time when like, it, you know, that, it was meaningful to me. It's like, yeah. You know, saved me a couple bucks back when a couple bucks was like, you know, meaningful, made a difference. And uh, anyway, it made a big impression on me. And so I do that from time to time. But I never... I haven't, and, and it's happened to me once before where somebody paid for my, like more recently. Um, but I've never thought, like you said, to do it immediately with the person behind me. Mm-hmm. I've done it, but never like that. Never like a, you know, domino like a chain. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. It's weird that it happened because honestly, I swear to God, just, I don't know, maybe a few days ago, I was thinking like, what if that happened to me? What would I do? You know? And here it, it happens. It's like yeah. I summoned it. Oh, yeah, you it's did. weird, man. Yeah, it's the secret. I don't know. It was like maybe a week ago or something. I was thinking about that. It's interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> I pull through a lot of uh, fast food places for work, you know? I'm all, I'm eating lunch out on the road. Uh, I, I've been on keto since Tuesday. Oh, good, man. Yeah. I haven't been on keto, but I've been, uh, I've been making some modifications to my diet, which is mostly just um, not eating after dinner. So I've been doing that, and I've been making different choices with uh, with uh, drinking. So I'm, I haven't stopped, but I know I need to because it's it's messing with me. But um, I just been drinking vodka a little bit more, and uh, although today I fully intend on drinking beer, so what you know, I'm just Fucking fooling man. myself. Sunday, but I'm making progress. I think yeah. um, I have to do something, man. The COVID has been has just absolutely destroyed my uh, fitness. Yeah, destroyed it. Yeah, man. And that's my fault, not Coe's fault. My fault. No, it's COVID's fault. Don't put. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's not an excuse. <laughs> it might be Joe Biden's fault, but it's definitely not COVID's fault. What isn't Joe Biden's fault? Well, nothing's his fault apparently. Um, Depends on who you ask. Oh, uh, while we're talking, before we start, get off the topic of the website. I got to say, um, the guy that helped us with the podcast logo over a year ago is the same company that I used for the website. So shout out to um, uh, to Seven Star Marketing, uh, Keith. Uh, over there at Seven Star Marketing has been absolutely tremendous to work with, man. He's like, I feel like he's, I feel like we're buddies when he <laughs> when he calls me. Oh yeah. Um, so he's got that kind of thing, and uh, you know, when we were starting out, trying to keep thing, trying to get a good quality um, logo and a good and a good nicely designed website in this case on on a budget and coming from our position, uh, he's he's been just absolutely terrific in making that possible, and. Uh, and he's always doing extra things, you know. He's always like he, he wants to he wants to surprise you. He wants to make you smile. And he didn't pay me to say this. I'm li- I'm literally just appreciative of it because it's somebody that um, clearly enjoys what he what he does. And the payoff for him is the hearing the excitement on my side of the phone when he's showing me the final product. And I could definitely I remember that specifically when we were looking at the logo, the final logo. Uh, he was eating it up. But when it came to the website, um, he gave me a sneak peek of it, right? So I knew it was it was in progress. So I just kept looking at it, like, and I saw the updates as they, as they were doing them. Mm-hmm. And then when he when he called me to go over the website, you know, he he had noticed that I had already seen it all. Yeah. He's like, and he was disappointed, like he like I stole the moment from him when he could show me how cool it was. The unveiling, yeah. You dick, I know. Ruined it. For I know. Him. Had to have a snickety snack. It's a good looking website, <laughs> Keith. I'm excited about it. I'm super excited about it. It's, uh, it looks professional, you know? I mean, I, it is professional. It is, yeah, of course. You know, the, but it's just like, it looks really good. Yeah, it's funny because I, I sent him the link to Dan Carlin's uh, website 
because, you know, it's like, I want to show him what a podcast website kind of looks like. And you know what his response was to that? I built this. He said, oh, we can do better. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh, we can do better. Nice. Um, we have a better website than Dan Carlin. Yeah, apparently. I've never been to Dan Carlin, whatever it is. It's, it, it looks a lot like, um, it's just like the, a list of episodes. Um, you know what I mean? Very simple. Um, but I got to tell you something before I forget. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a gift on my um, wish list that I'd been like basically very close to buying for myself over and over and over again. But I'm really bad about that. Like I don't leave any, I don't, I'm not patient. I don't, there's not a lot of shit that I want. But when I get it in my head that I want something, it's like I'm going to fucking get it. Yeah. And so leaving things on a list for someone else to get me for some future occasion, sometimes it's hard for me. And I succeeded in not buying this thing and uh the other day, I, I, told, I was talking to Jessica, and I said, uh, yeah, I mean, I was like really close to buying it again like three or four times. And she was like, don't buy it. It'll be here in like two weeks. It's for Father's Day. Like, I ruined the surprise. Um, I got one of those uh, I got one of those Steven Crowder uh, Don Johnson holsters for my, nice. for my SIG. Fucking A. And it's leather. That's cool you know? as hell, man. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to have to start wearing T-shirts and suit jackets like all the time. When, I just, when I'm walking around the house in my, uh, in my jam jams, which are, these, which are the, just like this, this pair of... Uh, like black shorts they're like sweat shorts but they've got pockets that zip up so things don't fall out I'm going to be wearing my jam jam shorts with a t-shirt and a suit coat and my holster all the time that's going to be the new podcast outfit with the just you just wait man it's gonna I, be- I'm going to get one of those too man. <laughs> I want one of those so bad I want you to get one and put one of those original Nintendo um pistols yeah you remember the yeah. duck hunt pistols just keep one of those in there it's not going to do me much good if somebody tries to kill me though no. unless it's a digital duck in which case yeah. I'll shoot that bucket. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to start carrying when it's uh, when it's legal, and I won't get in trouble for it. I think it is, isn't it? Not till June something. Oh, the open carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not open carry. What do you concealed, think? but just you don't have to have a license to conceal anymore. Oh, oh, that's right. It's yeah. it's legal in Ohio for open carry even now. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So if, Which, you, if you have a pistol and it's visible, that's legal. You can you can walk around with it. I don't think that's a good idea, but yeah, well, that's a good topic for discussion because people will say, like, probably what you're going to say that you don't want people to know you have a gun if you have to use it. You 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 give up the element of surprise if if it's visible. Mm-hmm. But there's also the thing about it being like accessible. So I've noticed. If I if I have a, a pistol in my um, the back of my back of my on my back basically on my belt, if I reach back there to get it, it's. I mean, if I had practice doing it, I'm sure I get better at it. But yeah, it's like that's what fumbling with my T-shirt when I pull on the gun. Sometimes the holster itself will start to slide up and get caught on my belt. You know, to me, it. it I just feel like there's an element of fumbling around with it that's going to make it obvious. And uh, if it's just easily accessible and you can grab it. But I, but I, I don't want to say that you might not be a target if you have a gun that's you, visible. I, yeah, I mean, if you're in a, that situation, I think you do make yourself a target. But I also worry about, like, let's say I'm standing in line at Chipotle and the guy behind me is crazy. If I can access it easily, he can access it easily, too. You know, it's not that much work for him to rip it out of there. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. There's also the thing that comes to my mind when I when you if you see someone with a gun and and let's say you're a crazy person motivated to do some damage, and you walk in and see one person who might take you down, that you do, you are a target. That's the guy. You yeah. are a target. However, if you walk into that Chipotle restaurant, and it's not just one dude with a gun, it's but everybody, twenty six people in line, oh, all of yeah. them have guns. Then are you? Then is is everyone a target, or are you getting the fuck out of Dodge? 
I guess it depends on how crazy you are. Yeah, I guess it does. I guess it does. But just, it might not make a difference. If you're one of those crazy people with a death wish, it might not make a difference, you know? You're gonna, they're going to sh- start shooting the place up anyway? Yeah, I think you're less likely... What am I trying to say? It's less likely that you're going to do as much damage if there's 26 people with guns. You know, you might still get someone. You might still get a couple people. But, like, if you go into a, a place... Like, I mean, you know, we just yesterday there was that shoot. I, I don't even remember. Was it in, I think it was in New York, which is crazy because they have the most strict... It was in Detroit, gun. right? It was in Detroit. Was it? The one... I thought it was in Buffalo, New York. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't really looked into it that much. I just know that there was a shooting. Yeah. I thought it was in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Um, and if it was in New York, they have, like, the strictest gun laws in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't read the details either. I just heard people were saying it was racially motivated, but there's yeah, zero. Everything's there's zero racially motivated. That's the that's the thing. It's like there's no evidence yet of it, mm-hmm. but just because there were different races involved, then it's it's a racially charged. Like that's such a deceptive thing to say. And I think there should be repercussions. I don't think the media should be allowed to say that until there's proof. Speculation is. It's it can be dangerous, like yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know. Fuck, man. Yep. They're yelling racism in a crowded theater. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I agree. But I what what I was getting at is if you go into like you know a grocery store and and there's not nobody's carrying guns, you might get thirty six people. You know, you might. Uh, but if everyone's carrying guns, you know, it's uh, like a lot less likely that you're going to get that. I agree. Man. I think I agree. I think this I think if one person is carrying a gun, it's a lot less likely that you're going to get that many. Well, that's true. I think the solution. I think the best solution might just be the Texas way. Everyone just carries a gun on you visibly. Everyone has one, so you don't fuck with anybody. Yeah. You know. I do like that. I I, I like the <laughs> idea of it. I think I just like I said all the stuff we just talked about in the current circumstances. I don't know if I would want to, even if you, well, we can open carry, and I don't think I will. I don't have a problem with other people doing it. I just like, like I said, I just don't think it's a great idea. Seems dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I still have to get a, uh, like a higher level of comfort with the, with the pistol. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like deeply, deeply, like it, it's such an dangerous thing it's such an important responsibility that you you have to take it seriously For sure. and uh, i feel like i'm not um uh, i'm not doing justice to the seriousness of carrying around a, a deadly weapon unless i'm like very very comfortable with it so i got to spend more time with it but um but you you do have to learn interesting things when you have guns. Yeah, you have to learn how to take them apart and clean them and put them back together. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Especially if you're not if you didn't do a lot of tinkering, if you're not like mechanically minded or did any engineering, um, to have to learn that it's a whole different. It's it's interesting, man. They're pretty simple. They're simpler than you think. Yeah, yeah, they're simpler than you think. It's not. I mean, I'm sure if like. You know, you got the gun, you got the the slide at the top, and then there's the bottom of it. I'm sure, because you don't really take that bottom apart that much. You take the slide off, you can take the barrel out of the slide, um, but that bottom part of it, you don't really do a whole lot with that, and I'm sure there's a lot going on in there. Yeah. Um, But the parts that you do, yeah, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, but there is like a, you know, there's a spring in there and, and mm-hmm. some stuff like that. And when you're cleaning it out, you got to, you know, you got to clean it, all of that stuff, you know, really well. So you get to, you get to know it, you know, and that gives you a level of, level of comfort 
just feeling like you know it intimately, like I could take it apart and put it back together. That that's, you know, it, it does help uh, to know the gun that well, uh, to f- just feel comfortable carrying it around. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going to start open carrying like a long sword. <laughs> start wearing the suit of armor around. Oh man. You know what man. I was thinking? Um, <laughs> I was thinking about, you know how Elon, Elon Musk uh, restored internet to the Ukraine when the Russians shut it down using those satellites. Mm. Uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, like Elon Musk wanted to help Ukraine just send a just a boatload of those flamethrowers. Hell <laughs> just yeah! Boat. Just you just just gonna just gonna drop them in like uh, parachute them into Ukraine. Just boxes full of flamethrowers. I don't think those would be that helpful though. That's like a can of hairspray <laughs> attached to a, a gun looking thing. You know, It'd be cool as hell if you just saw an army of like just an army of Ukrainians on horseback with flamethrowers. Horseback, yeah. Man. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. I don't. I don't even want you. I don't. I don't even want Elon to help Ukraine at this point. They're getting enough fucking help. Did this forty billion dollar thing is really under my skin? You know, it's like uh, things are not good here right now, and getting worse all the time, yeah. and potentially on the road to being very not good. And we're giving forty billion. And that's just this round. It's fucked up, man. Yeah, it is fucked up. Um, it's a lot of money. And it's also, there's something that occurs to me. It's like, we aren't at war with Russia. We aren't. But if we're supporting Ukraine to the point where we're keeping them in the battle, yeah, then how f- different is that from being engaged in Not war much. with Russia? That's the thing. It's strange. It, and there's lots of things that going on that I've seen lately. Um, f- this morning, I saw that Finland is is um, joining NATO, and Russia warned them against it. And it's funny; it's like before the war in Ukraine, um, Finland wasn't joining NATO, and Russia doesn't want them to, but the war has caused them to, and so it's like backfiring on Putin. I also saw something that said that Russia lost a third of its forces in Ukraine. Now, I don't I don't think that means a third of its army. I think it just means the army that's in, in Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. a third of those soldiers have have been destroyed. So you've got countries that that Russia wants to keep their thumb on um joining NATO to get out from under that pressure. You've got a third of their army having been decimated. Plus um apparently Putin has cancer or there's speculation that he does. And there was a video of him recently, a public video where his face is real swollen, and people people say, you know, that that that's what happens. That's that's what cancer does to you, or chemo does to you, or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. So there's all this stuff that makes me think things are not going well, and time is not on Putin's side. What say you? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I don't know. I it's hard to. I just don't trust anything that if it's coming from the main news organizations, anything they have to say, not just about Putin and Russia and Ukraine, but particularly that right now, I just don't trust any of it. Like I, and they've been, you know, shown to be liars on this stuff so often that I just can't trust them, you know? No, a hundred percent. Um, but it's like, uh, it's like, I, I mean, lots of people get cancer, you know, it's likely <clears throat> that he, he, you know, he's old. He's not exactly a spring chicken. Right. Uh, you know how um, there there's a big to do right now with uh, with formula, baby formula. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is I'm sure only on the conservative news, but my my, my wife's aunt mentioned to me that there was videos of pallets full of formula that they were sent to the border to mm-hmm. to supply the children that are coming over from the refugees while this shortage is going on and people in the United States, citizens of the United States, can't find the formula that they need. Yep. Um, and it's like, that's justifiably fucked up the way that I, the way that I spelled it out. Um, but it also, there's a part of you that says... Um, they got to eat too. They got to eat too. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, but it, you know, whether it's our responsibility is another question. Um, but I just think it's, well, I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, it sounds like the new, the news manipulating, like those two things are not like, my, I guess what I, what I mean is how likely is it that the amount of formula going to the border is, is making a difference to, uh, statistically, making a noticeable difference to what's available to the citizens in the rest of the country. Like, how much formula are they shipping down there? Is it really making that big of a difference? And is the news spinning it that way just to get people angry? I think that it likely is making a difference because, I I mean, I don't know, I don't have a baby. Um, But from what I understand, people are having to drive, like, to different parts of the state to get one thing of baby formula. Um, so, I mean, if there's like literally pallets of it going down there, I, that makes somewhat of, that definitely makes somewhat of a difference. It, 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 yeah, it, it makes a difference. But I, I, the question I have is how much it's like, uh, it's like the kind of the conversation we're having about $40 billion going to Ukraine, because there are people that will always spin the, the conversation by saying, yeah, it's a lot of money, but uh, compared to our total spend in this area or or total or whatever, it's only it's it's only a drop in the bucket. You know how they do. Yeah, I think that's a stupid argument. You know, it's like a forty if forty billion dollars is going to make inflation worse by a fraction of a percent. You know what I mean? It's like that's that's how they that's the perspective that they try to put on things like that. It's, like, it's just a drop in the bucket, but that accumulation of drops fills the bucket. It, it overflows does. the bucket. It does. Yeah. Um, Eventually, I just I've I always think that that's a stupid argument because it's like yes it does that I guess maybe that drop doesn't make that big of a difference but it's like we're spending what am what am I trying to say it's like we're spending way way too much money so I guess it doesn't matter how much money we're spending it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense yeah, but that's yeah but that's how they spin it it's interesting it's like I remember. <coughs> Well, I think I, we've said this before, but I remember um, back in the early, yeah, the mid to late two thousands, I was watching a lot of John Stossel, and he would he would talk about this sort of stuff all the time. Uh, Stossel's underrated, you guys. John Stossel's the libertarian genius. Um, he's also old as fuck, man. He's getting up you there. Can't tell by looking at him. Yeah, like, he looks like he's fifties, sixties. He's like fucking eighty. He dyes his hair and mustache for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I remember John Stossel talking about programs. <clears throat> that you never heard of, that the U.S. taxpayers fund, and it's stuff like HIV research in China, and uh, you know, like um, you know, so- social programs in in you know India or whatever. And it's like um, you ask the congressmen and the senators and the people about it, like, why are we sending this money? You know, when we have needs in this country that we could be using the money on, why are we spending this money? And their answers are always, "Oh, it's you know, it's a drop in the bucket." You know, you know, why shouldn't we support these causes? It, it it's it's such a small part of the overall puzzle. But when you add the, all of those things up, you know, even if it makes a small difference, that's 
that's, you know, paying for the citizens. And it's insane that $40 billion is a drop in the bucket. That's fucking crazy. It is crazy. Um, I heard, and even if it is just a drop in the bucket, that drop, I, I, I don't think we should be spending money here. You know, like, I don't think we should be printing money, no. taxing money, and spending it even on things here for the most part, you know? Uh, that's just my political disposition. I think privatization, do it that way. Amen. Um, but that being said, $40 billion, while it may be a drop in the bucket, that drop can do a lot here. You know, I heard something that like $40 billion is what we sent over there. $50 billion is the amount that the United States generally spends annually on roads and bridges. Wow. So that's not insignificant. No, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, even though it's, you know, nightmarishly a drop in the bucket compared to what we spend all the time, that's a huge drop. That's a big-ass fucking drop. Yep. Um, so I, I hate it, man. Yeah, where, where's the accountability, man? That's what I want to know. Um, people get to make decisions. And then that's to say nothing of, like, the black budget or whatever they call it where the stuff's, like, compl- it's there's no documentation about it all whatsoever. Uh, a, lot, a, lot of that, a lot of that stuff's military, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but, you yeah, know, but that, that's another thing. If we send $40 billion to Ukraine, um, what might that do for social programs for citizens? What might that do for, you know, making, making education affordable or uh, housing affordable or insurance affordable or whatever? Whatever it is we want to do for our citizens, you know, that, that's, a, that's a lot of fucking money, man. It's a lot of money. And I, and I just wonder how far away that is from a declaration of war. I really do, because if Ukraine would have been, would have been done by now had it not be for us and we're propping them up, then Ukraine is no, not fighting. Russia is not fighting with Ukraine. They're fighting with us, but as a proxy. Exactly. Right, as a proxy. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not just that we're sending money over there. We're sending equipment. We're sending weapons. We're training their people in, um, what's that other? Poland. Country? Yeah, Poland. Yeah, yeah. We're training Ukrainian soldiers in Poland. Um yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't understand why it's any of our business. Um, it, I think our involvement has made life for the American citizen more difficult. Uh, I don't... It's definitely made life more difficult for us, and I question how much better our involvement has made it for the average Ukrainian citizen, you know? I don't think that it has made it better. Yeah, I mean, it's like, might there, might it have, I mean, I, I just wonder, might the alternative have been that we, we didn't help, nobody did, and Russia came in and conquered like the way that they thought they would, and the war was over in a week or two like they thought they would, there would have been a lot less destruction of Ukraine and mm-hmm. a lot less deaths of Ukrainians if, if, but, but what I'm, what really what I'm saying is, had we just given it to Putin, had we just rolled over then a lot of Ukrainians would have been spared their lives and a lot of economic destruction would have been spared. So I just don't know if, like, I don't know what the right answer is. What the right answer is. I, I mean, like, what is the counter-argument to that? It's that then we are then, um, projecting this, you know, uh, this image of a country that is ineffectual. We're not, you know, we're just going to let Putin do whatever he wants. I just don't see how that makes any sense. If Putin is invading, you know, 
everything with Ukraine, there's a there's a lot going on there. It's not it's not like if Putin was to invade Great Britain. You know what I mean? It's not as simple as that. They have all this history together. There's mm. the, all this cultural tie. You know, um, what's the you know I don't know blurring of the lines. Yep. Uh, if if Putin invaded Great Britain, do we think that we like Great Britain and its allies would just be like, oh, I don't know. I guess we're just gonna let him do it. I don't even think. I think that anybody who's like seriously toying with that idea is Putin's not. I mean, maybe he's evil. He's a world leader, so I, he's probably evil on some level. <laughs> but I don't think he's stupid. You know, he's not going to roll into Great Britain. You know, no, um, no. it just doesn't make any sense. I think that the it's not even a threat. I think that what the it's like this, man. I think this is the way. We're looking at it. We're looking at a world order that was established post-World War II that uh, gave us peace, at least for the most part, in Europe, um, with the exception of the Cold War, you know, that it gave us peace in Europe and in the West. And it's been pretty stable since then. You can, you can make that argument. And what Putin did is tried to overturn that apple card. He, he he went in there like Jesus and overturned the money changers tables. You know, he, he basically said there's still a threat of chaos. And, you know, um, in a moment's notice, we can destroy the stability that the West has enjoyed for the last 80 years. Yeah. And and if we could say the fuck you are and put him in his place, might might not that be better for the world? Maybe. But I think that that is... If that's how you look at it, then maybe, but I don't necessarily see it that way. The way I see it, after the Cold War, you know, there was World War One and Two, mm-hmm. and we cut everything up, and like you said, that gave us peace for a while, with the exception of the Cold War, uh, which, I mean, I don't know, I think that even with the Cold War, you would consider that peace, because it's a Cold War, you know, it's right. not, you're not actually, yeah. um, but then, with the Cold War, you get NATO, you know, you get uh, these unificator, uh, these alliances, even after, I mean, after the world wars, you start getting that kind of yeah, stuff. League of Nations. Yeah, it. exactly. Um, and we make these promises. We're not going to be encroaching closer and closer to Russia. And then immediately we start doing that. We start breaking our word and encroaching closer and closer to Russia. And I just think, I don't understand why America gets to hold Russia to this standard but it gets to hold the entire world to this standard, but they get to do whatever they want. And if you put the shoe on the other foot, and I, I've said this a bunch of times, if Russia had an international military organization and they started creeping closer and closer to the West and like the United States, I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of, uh, and, and this has happened in the past, the Cold War, that's what it was all about. They start finding these places that are friendly to their ideas, friendly to their politics, and they start trying to, you know, build bonds with those places. And we're like, no, that is a hard no. You're not fucking doing that. And if you do, it's war. Why do we get to do that? But Russia doesn't get to do it. And I'm not even saying it's good that Russia's doing it. I'm just saying that America and the American politicians and the citizens who support this shit blindly, you're a bunch of fucking hypocrites. You know, I agree. I agree that that the pot's calling the kettle black. 
that part I agree with. Um, but I guess to, to the point you raised is like if if Russia wanted to have relations, close relations and ties with Ukraine, to the point where they they have mutual pacts of protection, that they have open trade with each other, that the open borders are open, they can do that without conquering Ukraine. They can do that as friends. The fact that Putin made the choice that it couldn't, it had to be done by taking over, I think makes a difference, right? And I think you would agree. Like you, you, you should be able to have contractual relationships and sure, you know, trading relationships, and all that should be able to work while maintaining national borders without any of that I, conflict. I think that in you know, I I. I want to say a free market, but I guess it is. It's like a market of, it's like a political market, uh, you know, in a, in, in a situation where it is a free market of political ideas, political, um, bonds, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Alliances. Yes. Alliances. Um, then yes, I, I think that that makes sense, but we've been meddling with their shit the entire time, you know, like Ukraine, we've been, trying to prop up people that are more favorable favorable to us. And again, it's like when that happens to us or when it's alleged to happen to us with Trump and Russia mm. and, you know, they're trying to, you know, Putin's trying to prop up some, you know, dictator and Trump that's favorable to him. We do that all the time. We did it in Ukraine in the last 20 years. It's a bad idea. Yeah. So I, I just don't like it. Like I said, in a world where, yes, if the Ukrainian people want to be allied with Russia and, you know, then they should be able to do that. We won't let that happen. That is not in our best interest. So we, Hmm. you know, our CIA, we get in there, we, you know, overthrow regimes, we prop up, you know, puppet. I mean, Zelensky is kind of that. I mean, Hmm. yeah, I don't know any any of those, those levels of details, but I do think it's interesting that political players at the highest level play that game where they go so far as to supporting candidates in other countries entirely that they believe will will be a better fit for their relationship going forward um it kind of makes me wonder it's like it sounds like we know better than the people of that mm-hmm. country who should rule it yeah. which sounds arrogant and terrible and you know what i mean so that 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 comes to mind yeah um The other thing that comes to my mind is the democratic idea that you might have a majority of people that want a candidate um, that, the, let's say, the United States doesn't want. And you'd expect in a democracy that the people would get their way. Um, and they should. Th- but there's a possibility that the people, the majority of the people that want the guy are dumb. Sure. You know, and they're making the wrong choice. And then you've got somebody like the United States who's claiming to know better. Who should, you know what I mean? That's a really it's weird and sticky thing. It's like, I had, the part of me thinks that democracy, true democracy, really can't work. Yeah. And, and that's the reason, because majority rule, it's not just that, it's not just, and I don't, mean, I don't mean to be like belittling the human race. It's not, mm-hmm. ju- it's not just that people, by and large, like the average human being, is dumb. It's not just about that. And, and even if they're not dumb, so many people have no common sense. You wouldn't call them wise. Yeah. And another thing is that people are so easily manipulated. That's it, man. Yep. That, that's another thing. And that's more true in groups. Oh, yeah. You know, to manipulate one person, is it takes skill. To manipulate a million people, 
all you need is a commercial, yeah. a 30 second commercial. Catchy jingle. So, and that's part of this individualist collectivist thing that you and I talk about from time to time. It's, it's when, when people, like us, again, in a democracy when majority rules, you've got a, a big group of people. And I just think that when people act as a group, they don't have responsibility because um, you can't point the finger at anybody and say you're, you're accountable. Nobody's accountable. And people act like children. Groups act like children. You know, people generally will act in their in their the interest of themselves and their family and the greater good. Mm-hmm. Groups don't give a shit, man. Um, it's it's like the example we talk about where somebody's drowning, and if there's a, if there's a hundred people around, that person's drowning. No one's saving them because everyone thinks someone else is going to do it. That's the kind of dumb mistakes groups make that mm-hmm. one person would never make. Well, one person that's not a sociopath. It's you, that you get, diffusion of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I mean I. Like the stuff that goes on with uh, in the Ukraine, you I mean, you were saying that we'll find a political, you know, somebody running for office that we agree with more and we'll prop them up. But a lot of times you look into this stuff, man. We, the CIA, the United States, we don't pick an existing candidate. We build the entire fucking movement. Yeah, that should, it's it's dark shit. That shouldn't happen, man. Yeah. And it's not just happened in, in Ukraine. You look at, like, what's going on with Iraq, Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, we they had a government that we did not agree with. We propped up, you know, the, the people who were in control now. And, you know, eventually they, you know, they just, they use us, they use our um, our influence and our, be- you know, the, the benefits we give them when it's, convenient for them and then they you know as soon as that's over they turn their back and understandably you know yeah i was just thinking about uh while you were talking i was just thinking about uh south america central america where where that happened uh in various countries where the united states had interests in panama or interests in um you know colombia or whatever and we mess with the governments there you know uh, i think it happened in venezuela it was in venezuela it was really really wealthy and uh mm-hmm. we started tinkering and <laughs> it just fucked them we're still doing that in venezuela <clears throat> i mean you remember i don't know like two years ago when uh i can't remember not hugo chavez what's the guy who was president I think he still is president. Don't ask me historical questions on no, the air. No, it's not. I mean, it's embarrassing. It's not historical. It's uh, it's current. I just can't remember that. I, I can remember the guy that we tried to prop up. His name is Juan Guaido. Just, I mean, he's not. He had no claim to the presidency at all. But we're like, this is our guy. This is who we're going to do mm. business with. Um, just, and he's like a CIA stooge. It's incredible. That's like the most corrupt organization in the history of the world, probably. The CIA. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. Um, it's like arrogant. Uh, it's super arrogant to think that we, well, like we manage our own country so well that, yeah, that right. we, we can also manage the countries, foreign countries, yeah. uh, whose cultures are completely, and economies completely different from ours. Mm-hmm. Super arrogant. You know, we, and understandably, we, hold the founding fathers in high esteem um and like i said it's understandable to a certain degree because they were extremely impressive people um yeah but from what i understand like to a man that's what they all thought it's like we're geniuses you know we need to be a global thing hmm. uh 
do you remember the, a little house on Gender Road, right right by World Harvest Church, when you drive by on Gender Road? Uh, it's kind of near the road where the church is f- set far back, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a they they fly a thirteen colonies flag. Yeah, and you know, it's go ahead. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Well, uh, well, you, you mentioned the founding fathers, and that immediately came to my mind. And it's what's funny is I was uh, Amazon recently suggested that flag for me. Oh yeah. And I bought it and hung it up outside. So when you leave, check out my flagpole. It's got one of those cool, thirteen colonies flags nice. on it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You know the movie theater we worked at. Yeah. There was the food court across the street, yep. across the lobby oh, yeah. or whatever. Um. When it got brought back, when Matt and I were working there the last time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the guy who ran like the biggest restaurant over there, his uh, he was the guy who lives in that house. No way! Yeah, wasn't he like making Greek food? No, he. Uh, I mean, there was a Greek restaurant oh, okay. in there, but okay. this is uh, the, like the first in that like row of food court. He's yeah. like the first one over there. That's interesting, man. Because yeah. that yeah, I do remember. Oh, we used to get those delicious burgers from that dude. He, he had good food. Yeah, so. Uh, it's funny because he also had like one of those um, like turn of the century wagons in it mm-hmm. in the yard. Yep, and the old flag. It was cool, man. I remember. It. I still remember it. Yeah. I bet he still has the flag flying if he's still Probably. alive. Yeah, yeah. He he was a big guy at it. I mean, he wasn't like super old, but he was like I don't know. I would say like maybe fifties, and he was a big yeah. he was a big boy. You don't so. count on him being kicking around anymore. I hope he is. <laughs> he was a nice guy. He was a really nice guy. He had um, this blackened Cajun chicken pasta that was. I remember that wow. now. I remember that it's now. So yeah, good. dude. It was yeah. expensive. It was a little, little It was pricey. a little bit. Uh, speaking of which, man, um, we, we go out to eat every um, Friday. Yeah. And it's getting so expensive. Yeah. Jesus. I don't know, man. It's like this, uh, it's like feeding right into like why I'm pissed off about that $40 billion. Um, everything is just getting more expensive. Wait till we, wait till we uh, forgive student loans, Kyle. I'm I'm more okay with that than I am sending forty billion dollars to Ukraine. I mean, we, I think we've talked about yeah. this before. Like, yeah, uh, for sure. If, of all the things that we could possibly do with the massive amount of money that we print in tax, I'm more okay with us forgiving student loans than I am sending it to Ukraine and Israel. And you know, I wonder. I wonder if that's um, if that's going to pan out at all, or if the Democrats are going to try to do something before the election, or if they're just going to. Um, t- keep it in the public's mind until yeah. afterwards, and then forget about it. I really just—I assume option B, but I—I'll I, be interested to see what happens. I think it depends on how precarious things are looking for the Democrats. You know, they don't look good now. They don't look good now, and I think you know this is something else we can talk about. Things don't look good for the Democrats right now. It's embarrassing mm-hmm. how bad they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, you get this hot button issue that comes out the Roe versus Wade thing mm-hmm. that is going to you know like mobilize the base well that seems like what it's intended to do yeah like it's no surprise that it leaked it leaked yeah. during an election year election season that's when it leaked it's just it's it's too convenient I, I don't I, I think I've heard this I'm not 100% if it's 100% true or not but it's at least pretty true uh, they said that that's the only thing that's ever leaked from the Supreme Court. Yeah, like a, that's what I heard. Uh, uh, an issue that was going to be, you know, the, that got leaked like mm-hmm. that. It's never happened before. It's never happened before when suddenly it does, when the Democrats need a distraction the most. And they need to, 
they, like you say, they need to light a fire under their base. So they're going to pick a topic that they know uh, lights a fire under their base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a complete, it's the whole public conversation around it is a complete disaster. It's like, and, it, they, and you could have foreseen it. Um, in fact, I don't think you could have foreseen it going any other way. It's, you know, both sides are arguing completely opposite things, yelling at each other, getting, you know, violent and, and uh, heated. And I mean, the fact that one side believes this is making abortion illegal is, and, and that's literally what they believe. It's like, well, it's, it's complete nonsense, yeah. you know, but that's going to be the narrative because it's the most divisive. And you have people who are politicians, public figures who know that that is not the case and they get out there and they spin it and, and, you know, they choose their words very carefully to where they're not necessarily saying outright it's going to make abortion legal, but they're making people panic that it's going to, that's exactly what it's going to yeah. do. Yeah. Think about like <laughs> that fucking, uh, what's her name? I want to call her the, the fake Indian, Elizabeth Warren. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's out there and she's like giving these impassioned speeches and, it's like, it's not, go to fucking, uh, like, go to New York. You'll be able to get an abortion, you know? Like, right. uh, I, I don't think, they picked this, I think, to, like we were saying, mobilize the base, get a fire lit. I don't think it was a good issue, though, because I think a lot more people, you know, I think even a lot more Democrats are like, uh, I don't know. I think, you know. I think it's worked so well in the past that they're going right back to the what's always worked. I think you might be right that the the tide might be different now than it has been in the past. Um, I also think that with as progressive and even worse than that, you know, the 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 woke craziness that has taken over the left, that's been uh, pushed and pushed and pushed so much. That it that all by itself alienates some people on the left. Exactly, you know what I mean. So when you have to when you have to rally the base, what the Democrats need to do is get young people to vote. It's it's almost always what they need to do. They need to get young people to vote and and minorities to vote. That's what they always bank on, you know. Um, and when you get super progressive and woke, and to where you're to where you're isolating the moderate liberals, then you really have only the most. Um, uh, extreme ones, which are the 18, 19, 20 year olds, um, you know, in their early, early to mid 20s from for basically from college through grad school. That's the demographic you need to get. And what do they care about? Their student loans and not having to deal with a baby when they get their girlfriend pregnant. That's the, exactly the demographic that they want to get on their side. The ones that would would be most concerned about not being able to get an abortion, right? You you, you can see the pictures of the crazy liberal college girls with the purple hair mm-hmm. out there out there saying nonsense, you know, with venom in their eyes and in their voice, because you know we could talk has a whole other conversation. Um, and and those are the kids in college that have all this debt that aren't sure that aren't aren't sure whether they're going to be able to get a job when they graduate, and how am I going to pay this you know six hundred dollar a month student loan payment I have, and I'm not exaggerating. That is not an uncommon amount of monthly student loan debt to pay today. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, mine's, mine's over 400 and I graduated a long time ago. So, um, anyway, it's no surprise to me that, uh, that those are the issues that are being brought up now. 
to try to get us fighting about because those are exclusively the issues that the Democrats believe are going to get the young people to come out and vote. Seems so. Seems like such a bad idea, though, because it alienates everyone else. Sure does. And I honestly think that a lot... I mean, obviously, like you said, there are those people in that age range that are very passionate about that, and they buy what the they're saying hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. But I think that they would be surprised how many people don't necessarily... People in that age range don't necessarily agree with that. And you were talking about... You know, a lot of the voices that you hear amplified about this, it's these people who are super progressive. Mm -hmm. And it's like abortion right up until it's popped out, you know? Yeah. And I just don't, I think that a lot more people are like, no, I don't think that's good. I think we should probably not do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that's like what these people are pushing for. See, I think that's kind of the one benefit of the extremists because they do push things to the extreme, as you would imagine, and they kind of show themselves, they show the flaws in their own compassion because mm-hmm. that's how they always spin it as some, somehow compassionate uh, that women should have control over their lives. And if that means they have to, you know, as a conservative would say, kill a baby, then they should be, have the right to kill a baby. Their own flesh and blood, that precious creature that can't can't take care of itself, that's growing in your body, would just smash it like a, like a bug. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but you know, it, it just illustrates how polarizing this conversation can be, can easily be. You know? Yeah. Another, and, go go ahead. Ahead. I was just gonna say that that can be used to control you so easily. Another thing that is not working in their favor is that their arguments for pro-choice. They're not compelling. Like they, these people do not make good arguments. And in the world we live in now, where you can use like a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I don't know, an X-ray, an ultrasound, and you can see it's a fucking baby in there, man. Yeah, man. Um, it's you know th- this like bundle or you know a clump of cells. No, it's a baby. And it looks like a baby surprisingly early. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's like a, there's something in that argument that like religious people point to that, that non-religious people write off because they don't want to be grouped in with crazy religious people, but it really can't, it really can't be written off. It's the idea that, that uh, a human being has got some divinity to it, right? Or, Or something like that. And that's why life should be protected. And I think when you're a kid, like when you're a teenager, if you ever like knock up your teenage girlfriend and you have to get an abortion so that your lives aren't ruined, like a lot of people have that in their history. But when you're, let's say, 18 years old, 17 years old, let's say, um, and obviously much older than that, you don't know what you are. Mm-hmm. You certainly don't know what that baby is. Um, or that you know would be baby is, and what I mean is, when once you have kids, once you grow up, first of all, you start to realize that there's way more to you as a human being than you ever thought, and that that continues to happen to you as you get older, you know. Um, like this whole latest spell of our life, because just kind of giving giving this mystic and spiritual component of our lives like some actual consideration. That that didn't really happen much while we were younger, but now we're experiencing this this new part of ourselves that. When we weren't ready for it, we couldn't even have imagined that this sort of part of our lives was possible. And when you become a parent, you see that with your kids, like in this crazy way. Like your children really seem to be like little living 
bodies of potential Mm -hmm. and they can change the world and they can become anything and they can they can make the world anything and you know that they have this great power because you've seen it evolve in yourself and you know the seed of it is there in your child and you know it might be the next the person that cures cancer it might be the person that that uh you know uh brings about world peace but fuck that it might be the person that loves another human being that makes their life meaningful or that or that appreciates uh being and and understands the beauty behind existence and there's so much to what a to what a human life is that when you're 18 you do not know what you're destroying you do not know what you're doing like jesus like jesus said on the cross you know you, you forgive them god they know not what they do yeah. and when you become an adult having done something like that and you realize what it was you killed what it was you destroyed that potential that you snuffed out that that holy thing if you're a, if you're a religious person you might say um that's the kind of regret and remorse that you can never you can never cure you know you're going to realize i made this mistake when I was young and didn't understand, and now I have to live with it for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's sad. Uh, and that you've got so many people in, you know, these figureheads in our culture who are telling people that it's like nothing to worry about, you know, that it's Mm. no big deal at all. It's fucked up, man. And then, you know, you'll have people who, get who support abortion they're like i've had an abortion and it's like the hardest that you know it's like not an easy decision well like tease that out a little bit why why is it so hard Mm -hmm. and it's because you know that it's it's a living human being right you know yeah you're lying to yourself yeah you got to be honest with yourself yeah i think i think if you feel like there's something wrong you shouldn't be allowed to be talked out of it without thinking it through very carefully, like you just suggested. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of times, kids, young people, um, are are easily talked out of things because the alternative is too hard. Because thinking is hard, and uh, you know, go, going through what ifs, you know, and and trying to figure out what you actually believe and think. We're it's not just that it's hard; it's that we're scared to know. You know, yeah. if you had to ask yourself. If you were in a position where you were thinking about getting an abortion and you had, instead of just somebody telling you, you know, it's fine, it's the right thing to do for your future and, you know, you got to do it and and just following their orders, you mm-hmm. know, it's quite another thing to sit there and think, what what will happen if I go through with it and what would happen if I if I don't and what's, how will that impact my life and how what about this child's life and what kind of impact might my, my relationship with this child bring about, you know, it's like all of the what ifs, thinking all of that through. Um, ask a 17-year-old girl to do that? I mean, it's it's not easy for anyone to do. Um, it's, so it's just way easier to just... And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going on this rant as though I... Uh, don't think abortion should be allowed, and I want to just say I think it's I think it should be. I think people it should be people's choice. Um, I just think that be the thing I resist is the manipulation of of innocent and naive people. And teenagers are like in the most precarious spot they're ever going to be in their life, where they're old enough to make serious mistakes, 
and, and too young to understand the repercussions. Yeah. And I just, I had this protective instinct, probably another conservative characteristic coming out as a, as a parent. I have a protective instinct about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I definitely, I lean pretty far conservative on this issue. Um, and it's another one of these issues where I have what I feel and what I, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, uh, for me personally, I think abortion is like abhorrent, you know, like I'm a conception or a life at conception guy. Like I really, once you get pregnant, you made decisions, you took actions and now you have responsibilities, you have duties and you, you're killing, you're ending, you know, you're putting an end to something that if you just mind you know minded your own business that would be a it is a human being yeah like in the earliest stages that is a human being um i don't buy into the the clump of cell bullshit at all uh from day one as soon as that sperm uh penetrates the egg that's a human being and it has its own genetic code right then immediately Mm -hmm. um but also, you know, I have got my libertarian leanings and I, I mean, I'm kind of with you that I don't know that the government should be telling people that they can't do it. But I do think that your mom and dad and your family and your friends should be like, no, you're killing a baby. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I funded an abortion back in the day, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I know. Um, and looking back, it's like, yeah, I get my life would be completely different right now mm-hmm. had I not done it. Um, that being said, uh, and the person that I, it was with, I would not, I don't want to be with that person. Right. That isn't, you know, whatever. She's a nice person. I don't have anything bad to say about her, but it's, she's not the person that I want to be with. Yeah. I got you. That being said, I regret it. I wish that I wouldn't have done it. No, I, I, you know, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, man. I, I'm with you. And back then, I was, it was like a product of this like cultural, I didn't think that I had any opinion. I didn't think that I had really had any say in it. And this no uterus, no opinion, that is the most fucking brain dead argument. Absolutely. I I cannot stand that. And like otherwise rational people, people who have like, you know, generally good ideas, they'll have, they'll like spew that bullshit. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. The, I think the only reason why that argument holds any water at all is because this society allows men to escape responsibility today when it never was in the past. Historically, if you got a girl pregnant, um, as a man, you, you were every bit as responsible. You weren't going anywhere. You were marrying that woman and taking care of her and the family. You didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And if you thought you had a choice, well, you know, somebody's going to, somebody's going to come after you, you know, yeah, you're, exactly. you're going to die or you're going to be forced into the marriage. Yeah. Like historically in, in a tribal setting, it is not at all unlikely that a guy with cold feet gets beaten up by the brothers, brothers of the bride and, fathers, and dragged yeah. back in there. That, only now in this in this progressive culture has the legal system allowed men to somehow escape responsibility. And that is the only justification that a woman can have but for saying something like no uterus, no choice. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. And I think that men should be accountable. And you know another thing I want to say about this is if I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a seventeen year old girl like I was doing before. And 
the point you brought up saying, you know, if I go through with this, uh, or if, if I have this baby, rather, my life will change in all these, in all these ways. And I can understand, like, the resistance to it. I can understand being scared mm-hmm. um, about the unknown and about the responsibility and all that. The thing is, it's like people's lives all follow different patterns, you know, and you know this, even if you're young, even if you're a listener in high school or college right now, you know that, um, oh man, I'm losing my train of thought. This was good too. Um, had a good one. Uh, hold on. What did I just say? <laughs> that if you, your life's about to change, you're, you know, you've got all these, um, I don't know. Oh man, I'm losing it quickly. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Oh, you know, I was just talking about pe- people's lives follow different patterns. Yeah. And so, like, if you're young, you know, you have this idealistic view, and it's probably cult- fully culturally imposed, that says um, you should go through primary school, you should learn and have fun during that time, and then you should uh, get a job and... Um, Oh man, I'm losing it again for Christ's sake. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, uh, you then like in the modern era, right? Then you have your you have your grown up time in between grown um, in between being grown up and responsibility. You have your college time, your party time, your you're exploring the world, traveling, backpacking through Europe time, and then you get your shit together, you settle down, you have your responsibility, and this is the pattern that in the modern world in the West we think you should have. Now, if a girl gets pregnant in high school, she's going to miss the fun part of uh, of that high school period. She's going to have responsibility and shit that the other people don't have. She's going to lose all of her friends, very likely. She's going to have a whole different trajectory. But at some point, she's going to have a different possibility with her life. You know, she's going to have, let's say her kids are graduated high school. She's 36 years old. She's got her life in front oh, of her to do whatever the fuck she wants. And, and be just because it doesn't follow that pattern that I described, the high school, the co- in-between college fun time, exploring yourself in life, and then be- and then getting buckled down and serious, just because it doesn't follow that timeline, it's it's somehow wrong. It's yeah. somehow, you know, we had to avoid at all costs. We, you know, it's it's worth the cost of a human life to, to be able to stick with this pattern. It's like, I don't even think adults think that through. You know, just because you would have a different life doesn't mean it's a worse life. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's definitely this notion that if you get pregnant early, that your life is over, you know, which is, I mean, it, it, we've talked about this before, this idea that, um, you know, I, I would say the cultural left, um, but... I don't know. I think I think it does extend to the right too, on some point uh, in some ways. But this idea that being a mother is not valuable, you know, it's like it, it, oh, you you were gonna do all this exciting, cool stuff, and now you're just gonna be a mom. Yeah, yeah. Like, a, no, that's like pretty important. Ask a mom yeah. what she thinks about that. Sorry, man, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but there's, no, you're good. There's this one thing that popped in my head when I was talking about the the pattern that the pattern that in the West, the modern West that, that we're supposed to follow as we grow up. Um, there's this thing came to, came to my, my mind from ancient Rome. Um, and I think I more or less learned about this through Anne Rice fiction novels. Okay. But, uh, but the way it was described is that women would get married really young and that's pretty normal. You know, like in the history of the world, uh, women will get married like shortly after sexual maturity. And so pretty young, yeah. um, that, uh, oh, I'm losing it again. 
Women get married young. Women get married young. Oh, fuck. I get too enthusiastic Anne sometimes. Rice is where you learned oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Romans. So, yeah, that, okay. that, thank you for that. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was the threat. So she said that women would get married young, and um, they would get married to older men who could afford wives and, and, yeah, exactly. and kids, you know? resources already. And then they would be much older, and right? Men don't live as long anyway, right? So then what, what would happen with these women is they would get married young. They would have this certain experience. The, the husband would die. They would inherit the husband's property and money because in the, in the ancient Rome, women could do that. Um, then, like, let's say in their um, 30s or maybe even, like, uh, 40, sometime around there, their husband's gone, and they're wealthy and alone. Then these women would have a whole other life where they could pick a husband for love rather than for obligation. Mm-hmm. They, would, they could have more children. They could have a whole other family if they want to. And they have all the resources uh, for, for themselves. And it's like, I know that's a bygone thing for the most part, but it's a different pattern, you know? It's not, the, it's not the pattern I'm describing about how you grow up and you learn and you have fun and then you have your in-between period where you're going to college and partying and learning about yourself and the, and the world and then you get serious. It's not that pattern. It's a different pattern. And it just goes back to what I was saying that it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong, good or bad. It's just different. And, 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 and that's all I have to say about that. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I kind of hate when the abortion thing gets, it's like the thing we're talking about, you know. Uh, it's just like disheartening. I don't know how we. I don't know how we got on this, man. <laughs> no, not us, not you and I. But I just mean like culturally in the news. I hate when that's the thing we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I hope Roe versus Wade gets turned over. I think that's exactly what we want: states being able to decide. You know. Yeah, I would. As a libertarian, I one hundred percent agree. I think you you have to. The more centralized the power is, the worse it is. It needs to be broken up and spread out and. The states having this having the say means that there's 50 different opportunities to make the right decision and not just one. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to get better results that way. I think I agree with you completely on that. I do think that the fewer abortions we have in the world, the better. Um, that, that being said, I do. I don't know. I have some trepidation about passing laws about, you know, uh, making it illegal. Um but, uh, you know, it's kind of like what I said about the student debt, about out of all the stuff we do, that's I, I'm not really going to bitch about that compared to sending money off to, you know, places that don't do fucking anything for us. Yep. Um, if we're going to make laws preventing people from killing babies, I'm just not going to make that much of a fuss about that. I think that, you know, if we're going to make laws that I'm kind of OK with those. Yeah. Um, and you know what really like turns my stomach is the doctors, you know, you know what you're fucking doing. Yeah. Those are the same doctors that are doing, I mean, I just, whenever kids are involved, like my mind immediately goes to the transitioning kids and all that now it's just completely, um, the do no harm thing. You know, the doctors take an oath and I just can't understand how anybody can rationalize that. Um, but before we leave the abortion topic, and I'll try to try to get a little bit of a, I don't know if I'll call it positive, but a less depressing spin on it. Um, obviously, I'm not the first person to point this out, but I think it's really hilarious. 
that the people that are up in arms about the abortion debate now are the same ones that a month ago were telling us that we should be forced to have it. My body, my choice. Yeah. On the issues that I think. I mean, that to me is like, because it's all that was so public and all this with the abortion stuff is so public. It's like, you can't avoid, you like, you can't avoid being hypocritical and they just don't care. I just find it really interesting. Yeah. In the past two years, they've really kind of shot themselves in the foot with two of their big arguments about abortion. And that is the, my body, my choice. Well, my body, my choice on the vaccination, you know, I don't want it. I shouldn't be forced to have it. And also abortion is a women's issue. What the fuck is a woman now? You know, you ask these, these liberal people, (laughs) these super progressive people. And I've heard people do this with, with super liberal people define to me, what is a woman? And they're like, they have no idea. They can't tell you because if they tell you, they're going to offend somebody. Or they're gonna, they're worried that they're gonna get canceled. Yeah, so that's a good one. That's another example about how the extremist stuff, put when it gets pushed to the extreme, starts to reveal its own flaws, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. Another one, I think I mentioned already, on, maybe on the last time we got together, but it was that it was that article title about the woman that got, uh, or the professor or teacher that got money from the school system um, for uh, refusing to use. Um, or somebody refused, I don't remember, refusing to use the proper pronouns. Mm. And uh, the article title said, it said, uh, what did it say? She she refused to use. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so funny. It's like, if you, can't, if you can't even write an article about it without breaking the law, without, you know, that's revealing a fundamental flaw with your, with your law. Yeah. You know? Fuck. I... It seems like in some ways that these progressive people have such a lock on things right now. Um, maybe I'm just being hopeful, but I do feel like things like that are starting to erode their uh, their position in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have... And this is a thought that I've been thinking about recently, too. Like, I have... You know, I go back and forth in having faith in humanity. Like, a lot of times I think people are fucking stupid. Um, And then other times I'm like, yeah, they're stupid, but they're not that stupid. You know, like, they see it. Um, So, I don't know. I just have, like, conflicting feelings about it. But I do feel like your arguments are so stupid that you're going to lose eventually. Yeah, I think it's funny how, like, you're right. Because people are, like, there's... They're smart and wise and witty in ways, and they're dumb and naive and, and gullible in other ways. It's like people are, are all like that. We're a mixture. And I think it's funny how sometimes emotionally charged, not sometimes, like most of the time, emotionally charged issues will make, can make, even really rational, smart people feel and think and say ridiculous things. Yeah. You know? And it's it's like you're emotional system overrides your reason and your intelligence and can make you do or feel a certain way even when it makes no fucking sense you know yeah it's dangerous and that's one of those dangers of the group as well it's like when when somebody's getting like um stoned to death or something in the middle ages it's like if it was just one person and everyone's standing around watching you whip stones at this at this person uh eventually the crowd is going to, is going to walk away in disgust or try or to stop or, or try to save the person, yeah. right? But when two and three and four people start doing it, 
The next thing you know, there's four dozen people throwing rocks at you t- until you're dead. Yeah. That's one of the dangers of a group. Yeah, it's like you see all these people doing it, so it's okay for you to do it. And also, you've got this many people doing it, so if I try to step up, they're just going to stone me to death, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and Bad I think news. that's a big... That's probably a big motivator for mm. it. It's like, I can't speak up. Otherwise, I'm in there with them. You know, yeah. I'm fucked. See, that's a good point, man. Groups are bullies. Mm-hmm. They're bullies to their to their in-group and their out-group mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, I'm just, I just have a real deep, like, uh, distaste and um, distrust of group behavior. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know why. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, I also see benefits in the group, you know, like there's I, a lot. Yeah, of, I do, sure. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I can't, I think I probably lean away from it more than, I mean, it's like, I definitely do. It's like, I don't even have friends, you know, like I'm not, <laughs> not even building a group uh, in my own life. We can't, so. we can't do without groups. I just think we need to be aware of the danger. And I don't think we are. I don't think we're aware of the danger. I think we were after World War II. Yeah. I think we were aware of what happens when, the, a group can just get to do whatever it wants, you know, like terrible things. But that all seems so distant now, you know, even like the, the all the people that died and suffered and starved because of communism, so distant now that we're okay to just to just pull, pull that banner back out, dust it off, and we want to be communist now. Also, you know, nobody ever talks about it. Man, nobody, nobody ever, ever talks ever about criticizes it. it. Yeah. Um, you know, Nazis, we've talked about this a bunch. Everyone always harps on about how how terrible the Nazis were and they were bad don't get me wrong but just nobody ever talks about the all the terrible things that happened in the name of liberal ideology you know what else nobody talks about in the United States mm. the trail of tears yeah. you know what we did to the Native Americans in detail like I, you know listen man I'm not one of those people that wants to um, feel guilty for my country or feel or feel have to carry guilt for the sins of my, my ancestors or whatever. I'm not one of those people. But I just feel like we should we should have learned more about that in history and I really didn't at yeah. all. A little, but very, very little. Yeah. I don't feel guilty about it at all really. I mean I just think yes, it was bad. Again, it's like the same thing with like Hitler and the Nazis. Yes, it's bad, but there's a whole other side of it that nobody talks about. And like, it's not like the Indians were nice to us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There is a what, lot what, going on. What about Native American history by itself? Like when when we're learning about American history, why didn't we learn about That's the good, tribes and what they believed? It's funny, I was thinking about that the other day because I've been thinking about, you know, I, I haven't. I have read some of those uh, the books you gave me about the oh. Norse. Not enough to like really talk about it at this point, but I was thinking about how similar, you know, at least on the surface, that is to like Native American, um, you know, that kind of animism, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's like, yeah, we didn't learn anything about that. I mean, and I would imagine that there's probably better resources on that than there are the Norse stuff, which is thousands of years old. I mean, that's thousands of years old, too, but we've, there's more like, we rubbed up against that more, you know? In modern times, we rubbed up against that more. Yeah. You know what what comes to my mind is, uh, I'm not like super anxious to say this, but I think it's true in this case. American history being taught from a strictly European standpoint is racist, man. And Mm. not only is it racist, it's systemically racist because it's part of the public school curriculum. Like, you know, American history, I get it. 
you, you want to learn about the founding and you want to learn about, uh, you know, the colonies and all. I get it. But you also, if we're learning about American history, we have to realize that 99% of American history was before Europeans were here. And that shit is interesting, man. Like I, I, I want to know what tribes lived in what parts of the country. I want to know what made them different between each other. I want to know about their languages and their religions and their culture. I want to know. That's, that shit is super interesting. How have I lived in this country my whole life and went through school and college and never learned it? Yeah. It, I agree that it's very interesting. I don't necessarily see it in a racial, like a racist context. I see it in more of... Uh, I guess like a brainwashing context like the they need to we need to teach our society about the glory of us you know yeah um yeah yeah so what do you think about that like um because I think that's true the glory of us that's a good way of putting it uh it what it does is it gives us what Jordan Peterson calls um a grand unifying narrative Mm. that when you have a group you have to have some thread that runs through all of the different people in the group that they can all, that they are all... They're all, all cotton on to. They're all caught on to. It's important to all of them. And it's that grand unifying narrative. And without it, people don't have an allegiance to each other in any way, and they don't hold together. Uh, um, I don't know if I 100% agree with that or not. What do you? But I definitely think that there is such a thing. You know? Um, grand unifying narrative. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that that's beneficial in some ways, and I think that that that, that is a thing. You know, uh, you can see that throughout history. Um, is it bad? I don't know. I mean, I think it serves its purposes up to a certain point. You know, I just think it's funny because even those grand unifying narratives change. Like what what we learned that we were to be proud of as Americans, it's not the same thing that. The kids nowadays. Yeah, they're ashamed of that stuff. Yeah, they're ashamed of that same stuff we were. Yeah, we were told to be proud of. Yeah, and I mean, even I am. You know, not in the same ways. Uh, you know, like a lot of the stuff that people get bent out of shape about with the founding fathers. I just like that's that's the time they lived in. You know, it was a different world back then. Yeah. Um, you can say that a thousand times. People need to fucking understand that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there are definitely, like I was talking about with, uh, the kind of imperialism of the founding fathers. Um, that is something that like, I don't know how much that does have to do with the time. I like to me, that kind of imperialistic attitude is throughout history. Not good. You know? Yeah. So, uh, I think that that has less to do with the time that they existed in than, you know, slavery, mm. which is, you know, up and up until that point and shortly after was just the common way of things it had very little to do with race, by the way, you know, slaves. It's like whoever you conquered, whoever you went and fucked up and took their land, you took them yeah. and you sold them to someone else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, the word slave, you know where that comes from? Slav. Oh, is that right? No. The Vikings, because the Vikings just pillaged the the Slavic lands. Oh my God! So the the word slave comes from the word Slav. I didn't know that. You know what else I heard? Um, I can't remember what podcast it was, but they were talking about how people never talk about the slave trade in its in its fullness. They only talk about half of it. Is it Carlin's most recent episode? No, it wasn't Carlin because I haven't listened to him in a while. His most recent episode is about slavery. It's pretty good. Well, you tell me if he talked about this. He probably did. That um, d- 
that in during the height of the slave trade, you know, you had the the rum um, trade and the slaves going from um, from the west coast of Africa up to um, Great Britain, over to the United States and back. And it was that was the whole trade cycle, um, you know, with all the with the slaves and the you know all that shit. The other half of it was from Africa to Arabia, mm. and that continued way longer mm -hmm. than it, it did in, in the United States and um, Great Britain. It kept kept going on. And the idea is that the Arabs had took way more African slaves than we did. They did it for a longer period of time and nobody talks about it. Yeah. No they don't nobody nobody gives any guilt to the Arabs about it. Um, I don't know which Arabs or which countries. I don't know the details of that. But the fact that there was a significant piece of the slave trade that went in the other direction and that nobody nobody in the Middle East has any guilt about it the way that we do in the West, I just find that fascinating. Yeah. I think that that's um, like a cultural manipulation thing. Like we, you know, obviously we felt bad about... Uh, like a good portion of the people here in the United States and, you know, Great Britain did it first. Um, we felt bad about it. So we ended it, you know, it took a war of us killing tons of each other yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's not even really why that war happened, but it, you know, it's associated with it, you know? Um, but so obviously since we did that, we have some kind of guilt about it already and then you have these fucking vultures who like can it's like you need to keep feeling bad about it. You yeah. need to yeah. continue to forever. What is the what is the motivation? What you know what I mean? Like why would you want someone to feel guilty about something forever? Because when somebody feels guilty about something, you can use that to move them around no. like a pawn on a chessboard. That's true, man. That's very true. Fuck. Um and it, I mean, you know, you were talking about how they don't have the guilt about that in the Middle East. You know, they don't, they just, I don't, they don't have, well, they do have slaves in certain parts of it still. Like, you look at what's going on in, um, what's that African country where Gaddafi, Libya? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always mix up Libya and Liberia. Uh, but Libya, it's like open slave markets and stuff there now. Um, so there's, it's still going on. Uh, but, I don't know how prominent it is over there anymore. I think it's probably not that prominent, but they obviously don't feel bad about it the way that we do. Um, and you don't, not only do they not feel bad about it, you don't have the media in the West, like making them feel bad about it. We just don't, it's no, they're, you know, I guess cause we're doing bad things to them now that we shouldn't criticize the sh terrible things that they're doing. It's like the same thing you see Pepsi, you know, all these, these giant corporations, they turn their logo into a rainbow logo. They're like gay, you know, and good, whatever. Um, although I just don't really understand why these, I don't, I don't understand why they feel the need to put their opinion out about that. To be political. And, and like Pepsi has an opinion. Like yeah. pe what the fuck is, that's, it doesn't make any that's sense. exactly what I said about groups. Who is Pepsi? Yeah. Who is Pepsi? Is it the CEO? Is it the governing board? Is it its customers? Is it its shareholders? Who the fuck is Pepsi? But do you think that Pepsi puts out that rainbow logo in Saudi Arabia? Fuck no, they don't. Fuck no. Uh, I think that you hit on something really important, and I think this is, this is something that is might actually be changing the woke direction a little bit, is that corporations um, and various types of organizations, charities, and everything else 
have thought it okay to be political over the last decade, mm -hmm. increasingly political. And uh, what happens is they alienate half of their customers, half of their employees, half of their shareholders. Because when you take a political stand, you have to understand half the world's on the other side of the aisle. Half the country's on the other side. Half of your customers are on the other side of the aisle. The, the problem is that it's ubiquitous. And it's like, you know, it would be one thing if Pepsi was being completely hypocritical and releasing the rainbow logo here and not in Saudi Arabia. But Coke was like, no, we're not going to do that. But that's not how it is. It's ubiquitous. All of these giant corporations in the West feel the need to pander to nonsense. I mean, yeah. it's like, it. you know, I, I don't know. I guess gay people only recently in the grand scheme of things got the right to, to marry. Uh, so I guess that's bad, although I've got, you know complicated opinions about that but um you know it's like is america really that bad to gay people like are we are are gay people getting lynched or are you know is i you know maybe maybe it happens but i don't really think that it does yeah, I, I mean well, i don't see it yeah like maybe 30 maybe 30 years ago 30 40 50 years ago it was a little bit more common and back then you had cultural you know the cultural the tides of culture like making people feel worse about being gay and maybe violent crimes towards gay people happened a little bit more often but i don't even back then i don't think like it wasn't outrageous it's not like it was happening all the time every time gay people couldn't go out of their houses right um i don't know i don't know either man it just reminds me of uh of a concert i went to where the band was doing a little little talking in between the songs. I hate that. Well, usually I hate that. Sometimes it's funny. Uh, but in this case, it was political. And I remember just frowning and waiting for them to stop because I didn't, didn't agree with it. And by the end, I didn't like the band as much. And it's yeah. very disappointing. And I'm there at the concert. I'm not enjoying myself as much as I want to. you know. And the more they do that, the less I'm enjoying myself and the less I like them. And that's what I mean. It's like corporations who think they're getting some kind of advantage by playing a political game um, are playing a dangerous game that's never been played before. And it, to me, it seems like a very bad idea. Yeah. You're going to lose employees and customers that way. And you don't have to, you just have to keep your mouth shut and you can keep selling your shit. And it's all across. I mean, it's not just corporations. My mind immediately goes to comedians and how fucking terrible comedy has been yeah. over the last, I don't know, 10 years. It's, and it, I tweeted this the other day. It like, I cannot fucking stand these comedians who like spew all of their stupid fucking opinions. Even even ones that I more agree with, I still that's not what I come to you for. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, they spew all of their fucking opinions about politics, and then when somebody calls them on it, they're like, "Oh, I'm a comedian. I, you know, I yeah. tell jokes for a living. You shouldn't take me." Maybe you should keep your fucking mouth shut in the first place. Then maybe you should tell jokes instead of fucking lecturing me. A comedian is an, an entrepreneur, is a, is a, you, you are your own boss, you work for yourself, right? Um, why would you want to tell a joke or to publicly air an opinion that might cost you ticket sales? Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Just shut the fuck up and do your job. Be funny. Be funny. Yeah. Exactly. You know, just to spin the, 
you know, stop talking about the politics as much. You know, we both like stand up comedy. Um, you know, Brendan Schaub. Yeah, yeah. Man, he released a stand up special on YouTube, and it is so bad, dude. Oh no! Was he just talking about shoes and politics? No, he doesn't talk about politics. Oh. He's just not funny. Mm. Uh, it's like legitimately maybe the most cringe. You should watch it just to see how bad it oh, okay. is. It's only like 25, 30, it's like 35 minutes it's or something like pretty that. Pretty new, pretty recent? Yeah, it came out like two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, it's does, so does bad. Does the audience laugh during it? Yes. Okay. Which is fucking mind boggling. Like it's all just like his podcast crew, you know, it's like yeah. the the lemmings. It's so not funny, man. Interesting. Um, I, That dude... He's like my least favorite Rogan guest of all time. Really? I cannot fucking stand Brendan Schaub. Uh, so I do get some kind of like like sick uh, enjoyment out of him just failing. Who, who are your favorite Rogan guests? Graham Hancock. Yep. Uh, Duncan Trussell. Absolutely. Um, I really like Randall Carlson a lot. Yep. Uh you know who I used to kind of enjoy and don't really at all anymore? I think he's kind of a fucking idiot. Who? That dude, Chris Ryan, the oh, sex yeah. at dawn sex guy. At dawn, he's yeah. a fucking idiot, Is man. He? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I guess, like, when I listened to him back in the day, like, years ago, I just had different, I don't know, like, ideas. And I listen to him now, and it's like, you're just, like, you. nothing you're saying even makes sense. Like, it's mm. just, um... Like, I remember this one time he was talking about uh, somebody driving, like, through the desert, and they're drinking beers while they're driving, and um, they're as they're finished the cans, they're throwing them out, like, just littering, and he's like, oh, I don't feel bad about that because these roads are the real problem. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, Jesus. It's like, I mean, sometimes I do, th- like, I was driving through the Metro Parks the other day. And I, d- I have the thought, like, I wonder what this was like before these roads were here, you know? Mm. Uh, I bet you, the roads are kind of ugly, you know what I mean? But also, people get to appreciate the beauty that is there because of those roads, you know? That's true, yeah. Um, he, he's just a buffoon. I do not like Chris Ryan. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I got I got something we can close on. All right. That was kind of a nice little thing. Uh for me, and I think maybe in the same way it was for the person who I'm going to talk to you about. So I uh, mainly run our Twitter account. and uh, 100% <laughs> run our Twitter account. And um, there's a couple of people that I've, talk, I've mentioned them before, uh, but one, there's been a couple of people that really seem to be, uh, they're always posting things that I find interesting. And so I like kind of gravitate towards them. And this one guy, uh, I actually shouted him out on the podcast, on one of my solo podcasts. And this was a while ago. It was um, my David Chalmers uh, series. I did three-part series on Conscious Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those, there was a guy that tweeted about Chalmers, and he does a lot. And um, I brought it up on the podcast. And then that was months and months and months ago. And then I got a message the other day from that guy on Twitter who said he was listening to the podcast no and, heard, and heard my call out to him. Um, his name is Bug Rib, at Bug Rib on Twitter. Okay. Uh, but, he's, but he's a good follow, man. He's always talking about stuff that's up my alley, constantly talking about consciousness, constantly talking about pantheism and, you know, panpsychism and stuff that I, that I dig. And uh, he said that Chalmers was too much of a, of a materialist for him, which is sort of a joke because... Chalmers is a guy that takes consciousness seriously, and that means um, he believes that there's uh, that there's consciousness um, 
that it exists and uh, uh, that it is not what he what he said. How does Chalmers put it? That it doesn't depend on physical laws. It's something mysterious. So to call Chalmers a materialist is to, to pull that rug right out from under him. Um, anyway, I brought that up on the podcast, and uh, it's just nice to like so long after the fact to have uh, just to have some validation um, that you know friends on Twitter are listening to the podcast and and uh, uh, I don't know man I just thought it was a cool little interaction um, because so much time had passed between when I finished it and 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 I don't know man I just I, it made me smile and uh, I just thought I'd share it share the story yeah man yeah it's good you know I think that there's a lot of obviously a lot of negativity on the social media but you really can like build relationships or yeah relationships is a fine word with people that you never would have and not even like you had that connection with um like that professor who could potentially come on the podcast but i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about normal people who have interesting ideas and yeah what what about daniel torian man yeah exactly that's a great i didn't even think about that he has a good duty you know and he's been on the podcast a couple times and he's a he's a stranger lives in another country you know the internet's amazing man yeah i'm killing you on twitter by the way i've got like not way more followers, but significantly more followers than you <laughs> My account is younger than yours, too. Yeah. You got to step it up, dude. Well, the thing is... I'm just kidding. The thing is, uh, I don't really say anything inflammatory, and you and you, you say almost exclusively inflammatory no, things. No, that's not true. Um, I mean... And I don't post a lot. I share, I share a lot, but I should post more, probably, yeah. Yeah, you should post more. Yeah. But uh, I think a, a lot of it has to do with replying to people's not necessarily me posting things, although I do get good interaction on that, but like someone else will post something and then, then I'll reply to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do some of that. The thing is, um, my rule on Twitter so far is to to do like what we're doing on the podcast. It's an experiment in conversation. Dialogue. It's dialogue. It's designed to not, to, to be, could be confrontational, absolutely, but not to be, um, you know, underhanded or bitter or jealous or any of those bad things that overwhelms Twitter conversations. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, and I've had a couple of them that have been disappointing where I've, I've, uh, you know, tried to start a conversation or whatever. And uh, people will just tell me I'm an idiot and, um, I'll give them a little bit and, they, and they'll just tell me in some other mean way that I'm an idiot. And I just realize, okay, this person doesn't really want to have a conversation. They're not genuinely curious about me. So what am I doing here? And right, and so I'm been good enough to stick to that. Like once I get to that, I just won't reply. I'm just done with you. Yeah. See, that's where we diverge. See, I wouldn't say that I'm exclusively inflammatory, but when people are like that, then I have fun. Then it's like <laughs> then I, it's like okay for me to just like fuck with you. So how about this? I'll start passing them over to you. When All I right. get to that point, I'm just gonna loop you in on the on the thread. You know. I like saying things to those kind of people that I don't even mean. That like just to make them mad. You I know. know what I mean, I've, I I've noticed. It. I've noticed. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just like uh, I just I don't know. I just get to like manipulate you. Like you know, it's like you're you're so you're a robot. It's like if I do this, you're gonna do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. It's, but that's another really interesting difference between you and I is that I can see the appeal in it, but I don't have any interest in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, it's been two hours, so that brings us to the end of today's broadcast. Yep. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, visit uh, thetwotonguespodcast.com. It's delicious.
donate to it, man. Oh, I'm yeah. like, let's get yeah. that going. Yeah, you could do, you could donate to be it. Like uh, what Stefan Molyneux is always always like yeah, fdr.com slash donate. He's yeah. like always put pimping it. Well, we got to take it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Learn something from yeah, Stefan. We should. But check out the website. Uh, throw a couple sh- uh, shekels our way. Uh, and I guess that's it. Until we meet again, you guys. Yep. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode